Hello and welcome to Upfront Podcast. I'm Katie Hannon. The growing use of artificial intelligence has presented plenty of opportunities in the world of technology, but as with many innovations, comes with potential threats as well. The impact on democracy in particular is of concern, with AI potentially being used to disseminate fake news or statements and videos pretending to be from, for instance, senior politicians. With two referendums next month, along with the local and European elections in May, can the Irish people trust what they see and read online? In this week's podcast, we're speaking to world-renowned AI expert Professor Barry O'Sullivan from University College Cork. There have been a lot of discussion, not just at your level, but in media and generally about that this the, the big fears around AI. And I suppose some of them, the, the, the killer robots is obviously uh, one of them. Robots that will come and take all our jobs is another one. But have we missed a major, major threat, which is one that we've been hearing about in the Iraq this, this week and is one we probably should be absolutely concentrating on any year of where a third of the planet is going to the poles in one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. So the use of uh, the use of AI to undermine um, uh, elections and democracy is one that's really, really serious. And it's, um, I think it's one of the real uh, clear and present dangers as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back to 2016 and the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Uh, Almost, it almost seems like innocent times now. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know that 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 was the worst that we that could be done. That you know some data would be scraped and uh, people would be targeted specifically, and sure. you know some forces would try and sway elections. We're talking particularly about the U.S. election, of course, and and Brexit. We're in a whole new world now, aren't we, in terms of where AI has gone since 2016? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, in 2016 there was two kinds of things happening. Um, you mentioned Cambridge Analytica, so obviously people's personal data was used to profile them and to identify to what extent they were susceptible or they were open to certain types of political message. And then those political messages were deliberately targeted at those individuals. But now, of course, we're living in the in the world of uh, deep fake technology and so on. So it's, it's now very easy to create images and videos and audio and so on that, uh, that can fool people into thinking that a message isn't given by somebody uh, when it isn't. And we've seen examples of this. So Biden was recently sort of victim of, of a, an audio deep fake where a message was being broadcast where he was discouraging people from voting, um, in New Hampshire. And of course he wasn't, it wasn't him at all. Um, there was also, um, an image of Donald Trump, uh, praying in a church, um, with a, with light sort of, uh, falling upon his head in a very angelic style. And this, this image was generated, um, using AI, uh, but of course it was easy to detect because um, uh, Trump in that particular image had six fingers. We're in a world where anybody who has a, access to the internet and a computer can actually uh, generate uh, fake content, fake videos, really things that look convincing and, and deliver that to people in a way that can be very confusing. Um, but last week at the Munich uh, Security Conference, the, um, lots of the big tech companies did sign a, a tech accord to combat deceptive use of AI in 2024 elections. They signed this declaration, this, this accord in a sense, and to try and, uh, you know, set out a stall for what they're going to do. Now, of course, it remains to be seen whether they do it or not. Um, what are they promising? What are they promising? Yeah, so there's basically, um, 
there's basically seven principles in this accord. Um, so one is around prevention. So how do you try to prevent uh, the use of AI to deliberately influence elections? There's the provenance. So how do you know that the content that you see is real and that it comes from the organization or the person that you think it's coming from? So, you know, if, if Joe Biden is talking, is it, is talking to camera on a, on a Facebook post, how do you know it's actually Joe Biden? You know, um, the detection. So how can you automatically, they're, they're promising to invest more in detection methods and sort of detect fake content and then do things like responsive protection. So, if something is reported that they act on it quickly, um, uh, things like public awareness, so running campaigns to educate the public, and then I suppose resilience. So how do you make a, how do you make society resilient as a whole to to these kinds of attacks? And of course, can I stop you for one second, Barry? Just because there is a number of issues with, with all of that. Obviously, the main one being, how do you know for sure whether a video is real or fake? It's really difficult. Um, in fact, in a technical sense, um, it's really not possible to detect it sometimes because, uh, you know, one can, like obviously one can manipulate images and manipulate video. And if you have access to the manipulated video, you might be able to see that it has been manipulated and modified some way. But of course, someone could easily take a, take a video of the video, right? And so now you have a legitimate video. Then you just have a video, yeah, a real just, video. You know. um, and so it's really, it's really difficult to, um, to, to see a piece of content and figure out if it's true or not. Now, of course, there's all these, you know, the BBC and others have, um, have fact-checking uh, units that go out and sort of uh, try to determine whether something is real or not. It's really hard to find out if something is really true. Um, and, uh, you know, proving a negative is very, very difficult, right? So it's, it's hard. I think, I think normally what I'd say to people is that they should, uh, really be looking at anything that doesn't come from a trusted media source with a degree of skepticism. And they should, and they should try to at least ask some basic questions on the provenance of it. So, you know, who created it? Where did it come from? How do I know it's real? You know, could it be fake? Um, and to ask themselves that, that question, you know, if if something isn't being corroborated from multiple sources, the chances are it's fake. You know, the um... yeah, the the line from the electoral commission, I think, is a pretty is a good way to approach it, where they say you should treat every day like April Fool's Day. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a very destabilizing impact in itself, isn't it? We are bombarded, obviously, with with media, with with news stories, with videos. And just the effort of having to uh, approach every single piece of information as if it might be fake is in itself very destabilizing to a democracy, surely. Well, it is absolutely. And I think, um, you know, so how do we do that in the, in the old fashioned world? Well, in the old fashioned world, we have, we have these, we have these media blackouts on polling day, for example, right? So, um, and, uh, I think we, we need to, we need to seriously consider, um, for example, social media blackouts. And digital media blackouts that might be much longer. So, you know, in the run up to an election, maybe this kind of content is just any form of, I suppose, non verifiable data is not presented. But of course, then at the same time. But, but does that not cover pretty much every single thing on and, X today? And, and, not only, and not only that, but. Um, or on that, Facebook or elsewhere. And not only that, but it also impacts democracy because you would like to, you know, you do want the. 
the the lone wolf who's really campaigning on on an issue that's really important to be heard. You know, so it's it's really really challenging. Do you believe that the tech companies are dealing with this threat uh, uh, with a level of seriousness that it requires? Do you think they're very they're they're seriously attempting to uh, deal with this? Well, the the only evidence we really have so far is that they've uh, they've come up with this um, they've come up with this uh, accord. But of course, it's an accord. It's kind of a it's an aspiration. My sense is that no, they are not dealing with it seriously and adequately. And one of the reasons I believe that is that last year we had we had all of these companies going to, for example, the U.S. Congress and and begging to be regulated because. Um, they were going out of control. When you know, I I would have thought that the that the seri- if they were serious, then um, they would have maybe plugged out some of these systems until they be, until they were convinced that they were safe. But they didn't do that. To be fair, to be fair to OpenAI, though, I was just reading this week that they have held back. They have the late, very latest iteration of the fake deep fake video technology, and that they have held that back. They've only given it uh, made it available to a few very specific. Uh, testers because of the fears of what this might do if it went, it was just generally available. Yeah, but, but of course, you know, um, and, and that's great that they've done that, but there's a lot of technology already out there um, and um, uh, from companies like them, you know, so, uh, you know, people can still, can still use ChatGPT to produce messages that are quite personalized. So there's all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, it's not open AI's fault in any way that, uh, that people are using these for these various purposes. That's not the objective of these technologies. And that's kind of the scary thing about AI. It's this kind of dual use thing. So we have these fantastic technologies that can be used for great good. But of course, with the great, they can also be used on the dual side for all sorts of nefarious purposes, which they were not intended to. Um, Surely, if there's one thing we've learned, that self-regulation hasn't been a roaring success uh, when it comes to social media world in particular, surely the responsibility here should be on government to, to and regulators at national level and, and indeed international level to step in. So, and also presumably then, because so many of these tech companies are headquartered here, hmm. is there a very particular onus on the Irish government to step up to the plate? I think there is. And I think, um, I think it's a really, uh, as you say, I think the, uh, Self-regulation here doesn't quite work. Um, although one thing I would say about self-regulation is that um, is that many of these companies have been burned by finding themselves on the wrong line of public opinion, and so I think many of them are much more open to being regulated than they were previously. Um, not because they want to be, um, not because they necessarily want to be regulated, but they want to. They don't want to once again find themselves on the wrong side of an invisible line. They want the government to, to, to draw the line on the, in the sand so that they can step up to it. And if, there's a, if the line is in the wrong place, then it's not the companies who, who do it there, it's the government. But I, I think the government does have to, does have to act here. And uh, like in a sense, the, you know, the very fabric of our society is based on democracy. And if we can't, if we're, if we're not certain that we're getting the true representation of of the, the true expression of the preferences of the electorate, then that's a that's a pretty serious situation to be in. Um, it, it's it's commission on demand that is the responsible regulator that's, here, that's, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. So commission on demand is because this is seen as um, this is seen either as a media issue or as an online issue, and that is the that's the 
uh, national agency that takes care of these things. Are they tooled up to deal with it? Do you think? I think, uh, like obviously, they have the they have the uh, mechanisms. For, you know, they have the they have the they have the legislation that we have in Ireland. You know, they're, they're the they're the body empowered to um, to enforce it. But I think this is going to be. I think the the possibilities of AI being used to manipulate elections is going to be something very difficult to deal with in the normal way. It strikes me that this is in danger of being the story of this, of to, even just to take it at a national level here, the story of this election year, of these elections that we're facing into. I believe, I believe it is. I believe it is. I, I believe that, this, is, this is going to be something that I think this is, you know, the the deceptive AI generated deceptive election content is going to be something that uh, we will that will influence uh, probably the most important elections in the world. So, for example, the U.S. presidential election is probably the most important election internationally. If um, uh, that that impacts everybody on the planet, the outcome of that, um, and AI will be very very heavily used there by all sorts of organizations and like the challenge with you know coming back to um, our local regulator here the the problem is that the organizations we're going to have to that are up to mischief are not the are not law-abiding organizations right so so they're not the kind of people you can you can knock on the door you know some 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 office down in um, down in Stevens Green with a brass, a brass plate outside and say well, look you guys have been naughty here's a fine for you um, but you know there are organisations internationally who just seek to destabilise things, and we see this already. You know, like I think anybody who's a social media user will probably see um, very mild-mannered people already sharing things that are either xenophobic or racist or anti-immigrant. Not that not that the individuals are um, have those characteristics, but the the messaging that they share. Just appeals, it, it appeals to something in them. So, you know, the, the kind of message of Ireland for the Irish first, you know, this kind of, this kind of thing, this sort of anti-immigrant thing. And other people who are not anti-immigrant are sharing that kind of content online because uh, they don't think about it. And of course, it, it promotes this sort of message. And, you know, some people are not thinking, thinking about the content, the, con- the content or the consequences or maybe the origins of it. And that has a, that has an impact, you know. Um, and so it's very difficult to regulate this kind of stuff. I think it really needs to be proactive. From I think government needs to be very proactive about it. And I think the companies need to be very proactive about it. And I think one thing that could be very helpful in an Irish context is to bring, is to, is to establish a, um, uh, a task force with these people, with these organizations at the table. You said, sorry, Barry, but I mean, we're not just talking about individuals in their mother's uh, spare room, uh, you know, putting together fake videos for racist or, you know, but we are talking about maybe at, at the level of bad actors at a state level, aren't we? Uh, yeah, there, there are. Possibly. Uh, well, yes, there are, there are countries that do have organizations within them uh, that can, that are essentially sort of hired digital guns in a sense, you know, um, and we saw this, uh, you know, a couple of years ago with the, with the, with, with the cyber attack on the HSC. Um, this was an organization in Russia that uh, that essentially does this for profit, and so there are organizations that do this uh, for hire, and there are also political groups internationally who, you know, they're 
their ethos and their belief system is um, uh, means that they feel that they should be campaigning in a sense and influencing elections where those elections run counter to their values. So, for example, um, you know, divorce referenda, same-sex marriage, uh, you know, votes, these types of things. You can have extreme religious groups who just feel that they have to um, that they have to fight those battles, even though um, it's purely ideolo- ideological. Um, and of course, there are other countries who are doing this because it's destabilizing. Do you think there is a full appreciation of the level, the scale of the threat that we're facing coming into this election season? No, I don't. And I, and I don't think there's a, an understanding of it. And I think there's a few reasons for that. I think um, very recently I, I heard some people who are quite expert in the field saying, well, you know, um, we've, we've not yet really seen any AI-generated disinformation campaigns in elections. And that's true. Um, but that doesn't mean we're not going to see them uh, this year. And of course, you know, all of the uh, political think tanks in Washington, D.C., you know, the, the Brookings and, you know, the, uh, the likes of these organizations, they're all taking this extremely seriously. Um, and so uh, I would much prefer, I would much prefer that we, um, that we are proactive in ensuring it does not occur rather than sort of uh, discovering in 12 months' time that, you know, oopsie-daisy, um, it did actually happen when we didn't think it would. I really believe it's going to happen. I really believe we're going to see lots of content uh, in elections internationally that's going to really be impacting the um, the psychology and the agency of voters, and that will change the outcome of elections. And we've seen how close men... So literally, you, you do believe that that's actually what we're facing yes, into, that the... That we that people will be elected that would not have been elected, but for these this fake. Yes, I believe in twenty twenty in twenty twenty five we will be seeing reports, if not earlier, of uh, election results that have been where there is uh, significant evidence that the outcome was impacted by by the the, the use of of uh, the use of AI systems to impact elections. I, I really do believe that's going. That is a terrifying prospect, really. It is a terrifying prospect. It absolutely is. And I think uh, that's why we need uh, a call to arms uh, internationally. This, this, uh, this accord is, is something like that, right? This tech accord is something like that. But you know, it remains to be seen whether, whether these organizations really do that. Um, but I think from an Irish point of view, given that you know, we host these companies, I think with that, with that sort of benefit, with that honor, comes the responsibility. And I think um, I think Ireland could really play a significant leadership role in bringing in creating such a task force, and that task force would be do, would be doing multiple things. It would be um, ensuring these companies are sharing information, um, that they're that they're dealing with best practice, that they that they've established, and that they've created some sort of best practice to deal with this, that they're um, going out to the public and helping inform the public about what to look for. Um, making this information accessible, um, and I think everything we do um, will help. We might not eradicate it. I don't think we will. I think we will still, um, you know, the, the good old-fashioned sort of uh, recommender system behind your um, behind your social media feed will still serve up stuff uh, that might not be true. But anything that's done to sort of you know chip away at the risk, I think, is. Uh, 
is going to be is going to be beneficial. And if we don't get all the way, if we get, you know, I think simple things can probably get us 70, 80% of the way there. I think they're really worth doing. Um, and, uh, you know, if I was, if I was an elected official, I would care about this because this is elected officials are elected and this is the thing that messes with the process that elects them. And I think they should care about that. And when I talk to individual politicians, they are, they are very concerned about it. But I, I don't think there's a sense of, there's an understanding of quite what to do about it. And that was Professor Barry O'Sullivan. Thanks for listening to Upfront the podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can message us on social media at RT Upfront or via WhatsApp. Our WhatsApp number is 87 And don't forget to tune in to Upfront on Monday evening at 10.35 on RT1 and on the RTE player. And I'll see you then.